I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, and welcome to another episode of Boots, Balls, and Bras. I'm here with Eartha Pond and Farah Williams, and I'm Beck Smith. This week we've got all kinds of things. Nothing new. We're going to be talking about the WSL here in England, but also the Women's Championship because that often gets overlooked. International Matches Week and the UEFA New Nations League has been been launched, so we'll be chatting about that. Right. Let's kick it off. WSL here in this country. What was your favorite game, Ruth? Um, I think for me, obviously, it had to be... United versus Chelsea. It's always good to see where the leagues get in. Chelsea's always been at the top. Um, United sort of pushing for that top three finish and, and hopefully trying to get into those top two places. Um, unbeaten record, everything to sort of fight for in terms of the new kids on the block. Yeah. Um, and it didn't really disappoint. I think in terms of the result, yes, Chelsea came through and just showed their dominance of where they've been in terms of the league and where they I guess, aspire to continue to be in sort of stretching and challenging those other teams. Um, but yeah, United put up, put up a good show, um, tested Chelsea at times in moments. But yeah, that was that was the game that I guess everyone had their eyes on to see how that impacts the league table. Um, and good to see goals from Lauren James still doing, doing well, um, start of the season. Drake. I know. I was. That's I what I was going to ask you about, man. <laughs> well, like, there, there has so to be Manchester United lost one three at home against mm-hmm. Chelsea. But I, I was. Mary Earps didn't have the the swag. I know, but there was other things that we were celebrating. It was her hundred and fiftieth <laughs> appearance in the WSL. So was there's... she stressed? Was she nervous? <laughs> I don't. I don't really know, but maybe we have to get her on and ask that yeah, question. But should. yeah, I think I think now in a, in a good way that the con- they conceded against Chelsea, and we've got that sort of clean sheet out of the way. And it's again time for her to sort of step up and maybe going away on international duty this week will help to sort of consolidate her. What was I going to say? Her confidence. Um, yeah. But yeah, she'll be back. She'll, she'll be, be back. back. I know you say like, it's interesting you say like uh, Man United tested Chelsea at times. Mm-hmm. I think that's still the problem in the WSL. I still mm. think Chelsea and Arsenal are way above any other team in our league at the minute. And, you know, we spoke about United going into that game unbeaten, having not conceded a goal. And that would have been their test. It just shows the gap still there. Mm. I think that the teams that Man United have beaten in the build up to this Chelsea game, they sh- they was expected to be to be in my opinion, mm. um, and it just come down to you could just see the quality, the decision making in the game. And I'd see I'd watch Man United a week previous against Everton, and I spoke about that game on the pod about the decision making in the final third mm. is a difference between the likes of Man United, Everton, Manchester City, Tottenham, for example, and Chelsea and Arsenal, who are way above in in terms of that, this, you know, that decisive the decision, final. the final decision in those big moments. Because that was a difference. Mm. Those, yeah. those decision makings actually won Chelsea that game. The quality of de- decision making in those in those big moments won them the game. The and gap's still big. And in terms of, I guess, the WSL as a product, that's where we want to get to. You look at Chelsea, you look at Arsenal. 
throughout the game, they're going to play good, consistent football. And yes, other teams will take points off of them because of moments of brilliance. But actually, that consistency for majority of the game to compete is not there mm-hmm. for the rest of the, the league. I think that's what it is in terms of the difference that the rest of the league are not competing for long periods of the game and yeah. playing, I guess, attractive football on both sides and there's not one side that's really dominating. Mm. Whereas when you, I guess, are looking forward to Arsenal, Chelsea, because that's where we see... I guess the top, ta- two. the top two, but also just tactically yeah. and where you're going to need, like Farah said, that cutthroat, mm. like finishing, passing, like breaking the lines. Like if you don't have that, you're not going to win the Cause game. Because even Arsenal-Leicester, the 4-0 game, mm. Arsenal was so dominant, but made mistakes, was sloppy at times. I, I, I think in possession, I thought they were sloppy at times. They gifted Leicester chances. The difference is... Leicester can't convert. Yeah. So Arsenal can afford to make those sloppy mistakes in moments to give Leicester a chance because they're just going in gear two against opposition like Leicester. And it's difficult for any of the teams in the league to compete, I believe, with Chelsea and Arsenal. So but I also think, too, that the mm. difference between the good teams and the best teams are the depth in the bench. Mm. So, you know, you look at, I mean, I still, when I'm watching games, I'm still thinking, my God, how are they still running? How did we used to do that, literally? But they still have make those subs that come in and make a change and it can impact the game where you keep that consistent level high. And the Leicester cities, they don't have it. You know, even... Everton arguably doesn't have it either. Um, and, and I think that that's a big difference as well for the full season long. And I think not just the physiological side, obviously psychology. I think the top teams, that's where they have that sort of challenge. So if they're not being stretched and challenged domestically, actually, when you look, talk about in Champions League, those that are competing in it, where they're sloppy, like against Leicester and Arsenal, those they will be punished against those better teams. Mm-hmm. So how do they keep their eye on the ball both domestically mm-hmm. and also when they go into those sort of cup competitions yep. such as the Champions League, that's what the top teams are looking to do in terms of management and developing their players. Like and how, that's where they're at, aren't they now? At. Yeah, they are. They're looking to, to develop and to compete on that level. One of the things you, that I that really bothered me about this weekend was just looking on the Everton site and seeing that their game was cancelled against Tottenham because of a waterlogged pitch. And I was I looked at their Instagram and the first comment was this girl named Isabel Callahan and she said, bruv, waterlogged pitch in the WSL is bad and I'm like that is is that still literally happening we're talking about Chelsea Arsenal competing in the Champions League mate that is used to team here that you say is going to finish third <laughs> Champions League team getting waterlogged pitches they can't be playing in the Champions League with like, waterlogged pitch it's definitely, it's definitely <laughs> your team it's definitely it's definitely embarrassing I think especially yeah. it's a new ground yeah, that they've moved to exactly. they've just had their first game the other week at that ground um, and then to <laughs> To see that, it's like, okay, you're meant to be making a step up. So something's gone wrong there in terms of, I don't know, pitch maintenance, because that shouldn't be happening, especially so early on yeah. in the season. Like, one, winter's one just down, started. One, one, one day of rain, <laughs> that's it. It's one day of rain. Down. So I, I'm I'm sure some some eyes would have been sort of, yeah, rolling at, at the that The referee point. would have had to have called that game off yes. there, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, clearly the pitch is in, in, in any yeah. condition to play the game. Um, I mean... But yeah, it would have been a nice, tasty game, as I said. Yeah, Everton, Tottenham for that. I was six looking spot. forward. I was really looking forward <laughs> yeah. to that second, third place team. So, so just in terms of like, I don't know, Bex, you might know in terms of like officiating, like how bad does the pitch have to be, or is there a specific standard now at the in the WSL in the top leagues that? in order for a game to go ahead because if we look back to Bickensfield that game was <laughs> on where yeah. was like, that what's, what's Bickensfield Chelsea, we played for yeah. Chelsea uh, women there oh, honestly we played on anything and everything literally the ball yeah. wouldn't even roll so remember yeah. the Charlton game 
<sighs> Charlton Everton. Yeah, it was literally yeah, not It moving. was a cup game. It weren't How even moving. Yeah. Actually, Everton shouldn't have played it because if it, if it was a decent pitch, we would have beat Charlton at the time. And we played <laughs> oh, yeah, it, we lost 1 0. But this pitch was like, is that when you did your ACL work? Yeah, you have to Horrendous. literally. Just... The, pitch, the ball wasn't even rolling. Mm-hmm. Did you you did your ACL yeah, on a that pitch game. that mm. technically should have been called, called off? off. Yes. yes. Wow, that. How did that sit with you? Um. It was ex- that's how pitches were so it yeah, I didn't even normal. think of it yeah. just normal it's just alright <laughs> that's just, so sad man I know right so we didn't, it was just like remember tactically we just had to keep it off the ground like yeah, a lot of the we play had to keep the ball just keep oh, the ball like floating it in and clearly Charlton were better at doing that they had yeah. you know balling go who could kick the ball long out. to yeah. Carmen Walker mm. and they had runners off whereas Everton at the time we was a ball playing team mm. and so we yeah. found it difficult and lost the game I mean when I went from say you're playing the competitive team so I remember being at Everton and it was the mentality was about winning and being competitive you go to Arsenal and Liverpool and you know these teams are wanting to fight for, for whether it be FA Cup uh, Carabao Cup whatever it is or what it's not even the Carabao Cup Continental Cup yep. or, or the league so you go from that environment and that mentality where like you dig players out because you want the very best and you're trying to like that competitiveness in training to a team when I did go to Reading some players mentally struggled with that yep. because they wasn't used to that kind of uh, communication yeah. or, like those kind of, or, or those kind, yeah. of, kind of demands so what happens if you are a top player and, and this is what I'm saying if you go to a Leicester and you get like one or two top players because even when Emma Mitchell at the time and, and Dan Carter come to Reading they really struggled with their communication to players because they just all they knew being at Arsenal growing up at Arsenal was winning mm-hmm. coming to Reading where actually losing isn't such a bad thing even though people wanted to win yeah accepting losing was easier accepting losing when you play in an Arsenal team wasn't easy mm. it wasn't acceptable because you were there to win so what I'm saying is that <laughs> these te- these players you get one or two going into a, a, a lesser team for example if they go to a, like a, I'm just going to use Leicester because they're down at the bottom Brighton it's really difficult to shift that mentality yeah. of the players in the right way even though even even though your intentions are in the right way, sometimes yeah. it's not perceived that way. Yeah, but- I had the same issue. Sorry to jump in there, but I, I had the same issue playing in the U.S. in the college environment at Duke, where we were, you know, one of the top teams in the country. To them playing with the New Zealand national team that had the guitar on tour, and more importantly, they just wanted to have fun. And- <laughs> <laughs> like Jane I behind remember you. Just, you remember the guitar, don't you? Yes, you do. wish you had a guitar on your tour, oh, didn't you? Mate. But uh, like just the singing and the the kumbaya shit. I was yeah. like, come on, guys. That's what I'm you saying. Know? And and then actually taking that mentality. So I'm so glad I did have that be- the balance because what, the guitar, or? yeah, the guitar too. Because I realized I really can't sing when I thought I could. No, but it's just that it's nice to know that there's another way that you can like be involved in a team mm-hmm. because then. I don't think I would have chosen Wolfsburg when I did when I came in in 2009 because they were in ninth place out of 12 in the league and the whole concept there was we have to grow like we're looking to win the league we're looking to play Champions League and we're looking for people that can bring in that we can recruit that we can build this mentality and this structure so had I not played with New Zealand and sort of understood how to deal with players that Mm. were not all about winning all the time Mm. and me to also being from that it is all about winning every yeah. single time because I'm American and we're going to win yeah. um, I think it would have been a lot harder to have that like cultural shift that's what I mean you get to that accept you have to you have no. to get to that level of acceptance as a player in terms of what you're playing with and what you're working yeah. with and that's what I was able to do when I went to Reading and it's difficult the, you know, we had just yeah. lot. We had top. We was yeah, really were trying teams. to recruit top players. But what I'm saying, the, the problem in doing that, when you have such an imbalance in terms yeah. of like that winning mentality and, and what winning means and to people that accept, yeah. it's it, it, honestly it can either make or break the team. It yeah. can either bring them with you or completely divide. Let yeah. me tell you, that is not happening in my world yet. And I'll give you an example. 
So in terms of like being a coach or a manager, like my expectations are so high. Like yeah. literally yeah, I've done are. my badges from like 2004, meant to do my a license like really early. And I was like, I'm not going to do this because my expectations <laughs> are so high. I remember in a summer camp, I was coaching the under nines team. I almost took them all off. Like I was shouting at them so much. I was like, there's going to be two players left on this pit. And, I, and then I realized this is not for me. So that's why when I went into teaching, my mentality was, You took a breath. <laughs> I took a breath and I was like, all they need to do is enjoy it and make progress. So yeah. this is, I had to switch my mindset. But in yeah. terms of like competitions, I couldn't take none of the, the school teams. She's not I, joking. Like, I promise you, I couldn't do yeah. none of, I couldn't coach none I of felt, the schools. I felt the same way in my first game with the New Zealand national team. I'm like, you are a, na- we are a national team. We are representing our we're country. We're not playing that, that guitar. Your head, I, those you? strings would have got smashed. <laughs> right? We're not doing, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like this close. We are here my to teammate, play football. Yeah. My teammate and I, who another American, Simone Ferrara, um, now Carmichael, who was on the team, she went to, where did she go? She went to Irvine. So she was from that mentality mm. too. And her and I would just sit there like on the bus, like with our hands clenched. She's like, can you put your guitar away? Mate, can you remember Celebration Cup and just like five yeah. sides? Like, like, we're, we're not losing. losing. Do you know yeah. how fuming, we, like yeah. we turn up on Sunday after training and would still be fuming from the end of training football play around session <laughs> and yeah but there's something to say about that isn't there because it's a life lesson you know the the winning mentality is important but at the end of the day what what is the ultimate goal and taking that into like the business world now and you know having transition where we all are now doing different things outside of just kicking a ball you know, having that different culture of the winning mentality being the best, but also making sure that you are bringing people along and you have a growth mentality and that it is about the learning and the journey. I think it's it's really important as well. I'm still in therapy on that point. So you lot let me know when you, you, let me know when you get the answers because I haven't found them yet. All right. The, the other game I liked was the West Ham United Brighton. It was, and it ended up 4-5 to Brighton. Uh, Brighton was up 5-2 at one point. And that, that was an exciting game. Like sometimes I wish that should have been on the, the prime time yeah, really TV. for goals yes for the quality of the game no yeah. in my opinion I've yeah, watched but don't, it don't we watch for goals nah <laughs> see I'm not I'm not I, I, again it's a product like is that going to yeah. sell you're going to look at it and you're going to like really the goals were sloppy they some were of the goals sloppy. that were conceded were really sloppy mm-hmm. um, it wasn't the, the most attractive game uh, it was great for Brighton to bounce back after a five, uh, sorry, an eight-nil defeat. But then to concede four goals, there's still yeah, something that was a lot. quite not right there. But to, as as you say, to get the, the the three points for them would mm-hmm. have been the most important thing. I'm sure for West Ham, very unlike West Ham, to to concede that many goals. Mm. Um, well, I mean, that nine goals in one game is yeah. just that's a lot. Yeah, that a does lot. feel. But just I get messy. it for the, for for somebody who's never watched a game before and likes enjoys watching goals, Bex, like you. Uh, great I like game. goals, man. I like. Goals. I didn't particularly love a, a lot of those goals. I was going to say you were I thought a few of them looked like own goals, but I'm yeah. not. Yeah, goals wins games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it was a sloppy game. Yeah, it was. Um, I think moving on to the WSL two or the championship because you mentioned that um, Eartha a couple times and. And it is interesting because we talk a lot in this country about the WSL, the Barclays WSL, the top league, but really you need to have that pyramid and the player progression from, you know, grassroots into potentially academies, into a team that is a semi-professional environment so that when they get into the WSL, there isn't that big of a jump. So both mm-hmm. physically, but also mentally. Um, and I work with a couple of players that are uh, playing in the WSL now, but what are your guys' thoughts on the WSL and uh, to the championship? I um, 
my thoughts on it, like it, it's a difficult, and we, we just I'm just going to go back to the WSL where we talk about product of team, yep. right? Or brand, branding of team. So Bristol, for example, in terms of the brand, you know, it's not an attractive name for any, you know, female player to want to go and play for. Yep. In terms of what they have structurally, they have a WSL one structure. So Bristol in the championship. Just so time I actually out, think Bristol's at the top of the league right yeah, now, right? Yeah, they've just been yeah. relegated out of WSL one. So what I'm saying about their structure going into the championship is of WF, WSL one standard, and it always has been. They've always been a team with great mm-hmm. structure, like for, from all the way through. But in terms of being able to get top players to go and sign based on the name. Gotcha. Which is which is you know Bristol and people probably aren't aren't too aware of and probably being able to pay them a, a salary that is you know livable um, is difficult but that's why they'll end up coming straight back up from the championship so they for me in my opinion they're too good for the championship mm. in terms of where they're at in terms of their structure but not quite good enough for WSL and that's why they go up and down and they'll be that yo-yo team I mean London City Lionesses they've been looking good for the last few years they've been they're pushing, number two pushing, right now with a second now but. Yeah. They again have been pushing. They've got good investment. They had to take over Millwall Lionesses mm-hmm. um, a few years back, but but even last year they were really competitive and just fell away um, to, to Liverpool, who obviously uh, are a bigger team and, and heavily recruited mm. um, to try and get themselves back up. So and they did. They won yeah. the league and then went into the WSL. Uh, yeah. Even speaking Southampton, you know Marianne Spacey taking the team. I, I, mm. I watched the the, the the first game of the season. Uh, they were away at Lewis and, and just speaking to Marianne, and it's like. They've only just gone full-time professional in that yep. league. So they're on a journey now in terms of what does being professional look like? What does it feel like? How do I behave as a professional every single day? And they still don't know. And she's saying, I'm still trying to teach my players. She has them in pretty much all day. Like They, yeah. they do a full all day. All day, every day? Most days. I'm not, I'm not, I can't remember how many it's days like she said, but in three, terms yeah. of the actual day, it's days. a full day. So it could be like 10 to 4 right. or 5. So it's a full day. Mm. But that's not how professionals should operate. Mm. You know, being a professional footballer doesn't mean to say you go and do a 9 to 5 job. Yeah, no. You Thank know, goodness it, for that. You know, no, as in as in the hours. It doesn't mean yeah. because you're professional and I'm going to give you a full-time contract that that means you have to be in nine to five. You know, you might just have to go in and do your session or your recovery or whatever it might be. And that time, you'll learn how to manage that time. And I'm not yeah. sure when you first start out, because I remember when I went to Arsenal, we was pretty much in from nine to five. It was crazy. Yeah, it's a waste of time. So too, yeah, they're it? learning. It makes the, you the mentally championship tired. That are trying to transition to, to being professional. They're on a journey now, and mm. it's going to take time for these teams to understand what it looks like. But Earth, you go more. No, into- I was just thinking, and just touching on, I guess Southampton. A lot of their, a few of their players that they've recruited are experienced players mm. that have come from like Tottenham and, and come from other teams that have been in the WSL. So I guess they're leaning on them for mm-hmm. their experience in terms of anchoring those clubs. Yeah. And then you have the new talent that's sort of coming through, and obviously you've got Marianne who. Is been in and around the, the game, game forever. From, she's ever a former, knew. yeah, former player. Oh, well, Marion Spacey, for yeah. those of, that don't know, outside of the UK, legend. Give us a little Abs- blip. Absolute legend. Uh, I, mean, I mean, I just remember she was only. To be fair, she was the only player that I'd heard of. I remember Earth was mm. at Chelsea as a young kid. She was the only name alongside Rachel Yankee that I'd actually heard of, mm. even though it was only a couple of years later. Obviously, Kelly Smith was the one that everybody was speaking about. But it was Marianne, the one that, and, and of course, she's a Chelsea fan, which made it even better for me as a kid growing <laughs> up. She was in an Arsenal shirt, and honestly, I mean, Erfa, do you remember the FA Cup? We played in an <laughs> FA Cup game against, so we were like, we was the league below them at the time. Chelsea, uh, we was 14. Me and Erfa were 14 <laughs> playing in the first team against an Arsenal team. It, it, where, where they were what just team were you dom- playing for? We played for Chelsea. for Chelsea. We got drawn to them in the FA Cup. And yeah. I mean, well, let me tell you, Arsenal were like the dominant team. Like, yeah. They had every every good England and player in their team. And you two were 14 years old. Well, let me tell you, <laughs> I, I can't even tell you how many goals Marianne scored because I forgot, but we lost like 11 nil. Yeah, <laughs> it was so demoralising at Beaconsfield. Uh, remember? At Beaconsfield. Honestly. With like, a waterlogged pitch. And Marianne pitch. was yeah. just like, 
spraying balls like oh, it was just a joke and then obviously you got yanks there like, like was just taking over like, yeah. yeah Rachel yeah it was just crazy so yeah it so was Marianne crazy. Spacey is now the current coach of Southampton mm-hmm. uh, who's in the championship and they're at number three sitting in third place right now after six matches behind Bristol City and London City Bertha you were going to say something no I was just I was going to say about uh, Marianne and obviously she's been involved at, in an England setup mm-hmm. as well so she's had some of that youth she's seen the talent pool as well so in terms of recruitment really really good and then obviously we have Charles our, our old team and they're a bit uh, disappointing though do you not think oh, do, you know, do you know what it is so obviously Karen Mills is a, is a manager who we used to play with mm. who used to play at Charlton who was at Tottenham and has gone across I think what it is is there's a lot of players who I guess have been in and around WSL 1 yeah that's what that's why I'm disappointed that and they haven't <sighs> delivered they've got good players though it's not even just like they've got good players I know so for it's, me it's I think it's a mentality, mentality thing. it's be. a sort of I mm. not necessarily I know I'm good, but they are good enough to mm. be competing and should For be competing sure. consistently. But in terms of the product and clicking on the pitch, it's it's not happening as mm. effectively um, as it should be. I know they've had a few changes, and uh, for Cummins, the goalkeeper, she's she's moved on, um, so they've got a new goalkeeper. There's had a few injuries. Yeah, I know got a couple injuries. Quite a few of them, uh, about two or three, done an ACL. Mm. Um, so oh. again, it's looking at training yeah. regime like you said are we training yeah. too much are we overloading like mm. what are the key things that we're trying to get out of that team so again we we always want to see those clubs who have that good history coming back up so we have obviously bristol who mary drake erps used to play for <laughs> birmingham, <laughs> Earth. Birmingham, birmingham like they're literally. like I'm birmingham's like, at seven right now great coaches like great coaches Darren carter right yeah. and uh, joe potter's assistant and joe mm-hmm. potter's a very very i mean she's a smart she was a Smart player, yeah. really intelligent. But in terms Former of coaching, Lioness. yeah, played with her as well, Reading, and to be fair, played with her ever, and Charlton. <laughs> we pretty much followed each other everywhere. But she, yeah, she's a, in terms of and her coaching, I mean, I remember doing my B with her years ago, her coaching, her ability to coach and, and deliver messages for players to understand is very good. Mm. Um, so I really, I don't know, you know, beginning of the season, I was like, right, they're going to bounce straight back up. I genuinely believe that. Mm. Well, but, then it, look- but then, you know what that goes back to, Beck, sorry? I think it's sorry. the structure because we talk mm. about Bristol and the reason why I think they're top is because their structure's always been good. Mm. They've always had WSL1 structure, whereas Birmingham, the reason why they ended up getting relegated because structurally from, from top to bottom was poor. You know, mm. you, you, we spoke last season about them getting changed in hubs and physios. Wasn't a physio room like a, a little hub and they didn't have mm. training pitches and mm. facilities. And It does affect so you too. It, of course it does. Yeah, and yeah, it, it, it rhythm. But if you look now, they, they're one game behind their five matches. They have seven points. Um, and if they win that game, they'd be equal to Charlton potentially depending on the um, the goal difference. So they could be at fourth place really. Mm. So but, yeah, but they should be leading. Like, yeah. You think that's they should be at the top. Because yeah. they've just come down from the WSL last exactly. And they have good players. I know they lost players, but they still have good players. Like, yeah, exactly. They, they recruited good You know what's interesting in that league? Cov United. I was about to say, Cov. Because they got t- they, they nearly Coventry got... Cov United is they, last place, they, well, they number lost, 12. They went into administration last Christmas in right. WSL 2 and they lost... Uh, was, it 11, was it 11 points they dropped? 10 well, take, points. 10 points deduction. So they, they, they treated it as if it was still the Men's Premier League. Still like the men, so yeah. crazy because we don't play that many games. Mm-hmm. So it was... A, it was. They got an investment. So somebody, a buyer that came in... From and, Wolves. And, uh, yeah. So a rival so, team so so invested. literally well, saved yeah. them... Mm. They ended up staying up last game of the season. Wonder goal. Remember Wonder Molly's goal. goal. Remember, Mo- yeah. yeah. Wonder goal. And then you'd think maybe they'd kick on. Maybe like if he, if he's true to his word, you know, want to invest and whatever, mm. they would do that. And now they're sitting rock bottom without a point in the league. They are at nineteen de- nineteen goal deficit as Crazy, well right? minus nineteen. That does not look very good. 
I mean, three points could get them uh, <laughs> three <laughs> points into, into and into they'd 11th. be 12th place still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Still, still at the We've got Sunderland yeah. and then Black, Blackburn. Blackburn is an interesting one for me. Like they've always had a good cluster mm. of players. They've always, when it was sort of They North were always South, that club though. They always the, the won. Liverpool, Earth, Liverpool, Everton, United, that yeah. kind of players that didn't quite make it there. Yeah. They would always go to Blackburn. Oh. So if you didn't, couldn't quite get into because like Everton the at the time. Because that's where yeah. it was. Yeah, but it's not too far. Blackburn yeah. out of, from Liverpool is only like a 45 minute. Same from Manchester. Yeah. So mm. players that really didn't quite make it at Everton. Remember Liverpool, yeah. Blackburn would be. So in terms of recruitment having like, players was it Saffron Jordan that plays up front? Yeah. Like she's always been like top goal scorer. Yeah. She scores loads of goals. Yeah. She reminds me of you know when Kit Graham was at Charlton <laughs> and she needed to make that move because she was just too good for that yeah. club. She's the same type of player. Mm. Like she scores goals week in, week, week out. In. Even FA Cup against mm. top oppositions, she will get you a goal. But she's just dedicated to, to friends. Blackburn. Blackburn you know or what, friends. Yeah. Do you know what yeah. the thing that you were talking about earlier made me think about the fact that if you are a top player, you're coming from the WSL and you come down into the championship, like there has to be a mindset, that a mind shift where you do think I'm better than this I'm you know I'm too I'm almost too good for this and I feel like players often do that or they go from a top club to a you know maybe fifth sixth place club in the league that there's this sort of I can take my foot off the gas pedal because I'm going to be so much better than them just because of who I am when actually you you really need to do the exact opposite you need to work that much harder because mm. it's you don't have those great players around you I, but think, I think it's a women's football thing there's a there's a lot of times where players are getting selected based on who they are not how they've been performing and that almost goes with them wherever they go so when they drop down they still feel like I should be playing and that's why my motto of don't tell me show me is you've got to be able to show it yeah. every week but because actually from a management point of view that's not being held in that regard and players who maybe are not showing it every week but still are playing then unfortunately that's just something that we have in our game so mm. I think in terms of if you're not performing get them out because if, if you're dropping down from the WSL down to the championship you should be driving that team exactly like, you should be the leader but there's no one there's no accountability but, so and do you chilling. remember when I was watching Tottenham and like Drew Spence was on that mm -hmm. and, and when you watch the game live you do see a lot more don't you when you're in the stadium and you can watch the body language of players mm -hmm. completely off the ball or like I was so disappointed with her and I don't mean to point her out or because I think she's a fantastic player and this past weekend she definitely stepped up as well but or not this past weekend but previous one but it was just like you're coming from such a good team to this team to help Tottenham get to that next level and mm -hmm. it just felt like there was a but frustration that, there was around a, you as yeah, well but that's you know she was frustrated with the players she, yeah, her body language was all like every, it's everybody else's fault and it's uh, difficult though isn't it you all know that playing yeah. with top players you think this is where Tottenham are, right? Mm. So this is where you are arguing with me that they're a third place team. They're not, <laughs> right? They're definitely not. Are you sure though? And, and what I'm saying is that somebody like Drew that has been, the, the quality and calibre of players she's been playing around in terms of her thought process when mm. she's playing the game is probably two or three steps ahead of these Tottenham players right now. So what she has to do is take a step so, back and her thought yeah. process, not that it needs to slow down, but she needs to be aware of the players that are around her. Mm. So I would get that frustration. I would understand it. She now needs to adapt her game mm. to the calibre of players around her. That's it. To so that her frustration levels are, are, are less than what they are right now. And lead in a different way, right? Because, you know, even the work rate, that can be something that, all right, so we're not going to, I'm not going to get the ball every time at my feet or in the area that I want it to, but at least I can drive a leadership mentality that we're going to work really hard and you know so in, in other ways but yeah I think it's an, an interesting one anyway between mm. WSL and, and the championship 
um, having players come up and down. It's a very, very important league. And I think it's quite rare as well, because if you look across the rest of the world for in the women's game, that second league down is a major issue for a lot of leagues because it's not the quality and the standard is not good enough. And so the fact that the championship has good quality here, I think is super important to keep that competitiveness and to keep them at a good enough level that when they do jump to the, the top league, they can play in it and internationally play as well. Mm. I think what we have to embed the foundations at that championship level, that's what we're not doing in terms of like the mentality, in terms of the work rate. Like that's not stuff that actually we're waiting for players in the WSL to come down and teach us. Actually, from a coaching point of view, we have to start threading that stuff through because as we see, there's already a gap in the WSL. And if we leave the bottom teams to then rely on the players that are coming down from the WSL, the gap's always going to be there. So yeah. Managers, A license, B license, you guys, coaches, because unless I'm coaching my Barcelona, I'm not, being, I'm not being a coach. Um, yeah. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Over to you. All right, so that leads us actually really quite nicely into our halftime team talk this week, which is all about managers and what's been going on in, here in the WSL, but more broadly, what the expectations are. Um, let's start with Hope Powell walking away technically from Brighton after an 8-0 loss two weekends ago. Thoughts on Hope Powell? I mean, you guys have known her for so long. Farah, you've known her personally as well mm -hmm. for so long. How did that make you feel? Gutted, if I'm honest. I think, you know, certainly somebody that I grew up with as a player, um, very good manager. Um, I know people have had their differences with Hope in terms of her management styles, but she's always been somebody that I've trusted in, believed in, has always been able to develop players at all levels. Um, and I think she's certainly put Brighton, like she did with England, in a really good position. So she wouldn't leave a, a club or all country like she did with England in a worse position than when she took it over. I just feel like she probably believes that, you know, the club in terms of the investment, is it still there? Is it going to help them compete? I know they had like a, a seven-year plan mm. where they wanted Brighton to be competing for Champions League. But you can't just have that on paper. You need the investment, as we spoke about. They've got the structure in place for sure. I think they've got one of the best structures in, in WSL1. And I know that that's something Hope would have wanted to do first, get that structure in place and build on it in terms of them bringing players in. But they've lost a lot of players in the summer. I haven't really, you know, brought players in to, yeah. to fill those, those spots. And she maybe feels now uh, it's a time to leave it in a good place, allow somebody else to, to try and move it on. And 
she's done her stint in terms of coaching. I feel like she deserves something so different. You know, now. whether she goes above and and and, and starts to look at the, that type of role or yeah. or media now that there's opportunities in that. But certainly somebody I'd like to still see in the game uh, with the the knowledge and experiences she has. Yeah. Um, but it's a big loss for the game. Really big loss. I remember playing against England a long time ago. Her? I was so. <laughs> did I tell you that? Have I told no, you no, that? no, no, no. I, just I knew legit. That I was she was not even my coach, and I was scared of her on the sideline. She had these big dreads, yeah. and she was just so herself. She was yeah. so different from all the other coaches I'd ever seen or played against on national teams, and she was so loud and never smiled. And you know, having met her now uh-huh. after, maybe she cut her dreads, and it made her less scary but <laughs> like knowing her now and on a personal level like what a, what a nice human that's what frustrating as you say such that such a Bex, football head isn't because, she because you say nice but like I don't feel that she I always used to say to Hope let people see mm. you like when you're a manager like she wanted to be like a boss she, she was, was a boss, boss. She was but as you say you've met her outside head. of football and and, and 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 so many players was like why weren't you like that when you manage mm. us but I think you do have to be different but I wish that people did see her humans, like her personality outside of the game, because as you mentioned, what a lovely person she is and certainly mm. has had a huge, huge impact on, on my life. And really tough, huh? She was just a tough, she was a tough cookie. She just did <laughs> not care. She said what she felt. She was staunch in her beliefs. Um, I think for me, like going back to it, it's about management, isn't it? That's what you're there to do. You're there to do a job. And if in any other job, if you're not doing the right thing, then... We need results. And I think we touched on it last week around what's the expectation, especially with the transition of a lot of the men coming into the women's game. It's a results business. Like they're there to win games. They're there to build the product of the club. Um, And I guess that's the decisions that they've got to make. And I guess for Hope to step away, she most probably had in her mind that she could no longer, like Farah said, Mm -hmm. contribute towards where that vision wanted to to go to. But as I said, the results speak for themselves. And if you're not producing on the pitch, same like players, they're not going to be start. They're not going to play. So as a manager, if you're not doing the job, I guess it's about really good being reflective around where you're at and where it is actually your job want to go to and where it is that you want to be. So I think like Farah said, it's important most probably with our experiences still be part of the game mm. in some capacity. Mm. Um, I, de- I saw her in the Euros doing some stuff for, for UEFA. So potentially something yeah. at even a more sort of global mm. stage. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if I could see her back in club football, no, definitely not think, in the WSL so. um, anytime soon. I think and I'm not too sure if that motivates her. Mm. Um, I think it has to be something new where she's back learning. She's back mm. in the back in the deep end, like trying to work it out because she's done the pro license. She's done the international stage. She's done the club level. Like what's next? Yeah. Like, what, I think what that's what it is. Are, if you're right. What motivates her now? And I don't think that was she that, did she get to a stage where, you know, she's not motivated to go on the, on, on the grass with them and, and, and develop them probably. She probably got to that part now where she needs something where she's challenged in a different way now. It's hard work. Uh, it's it's really, I mean, that's why I never wanted to coach. It was like standing on the sidelines <laughs> in the same capacity, but not being able to kick the ball. No thanks. Yeah. Um, but she, yeah, she did some work when, when I was at FIFA as well. And I can imagine her in like a more strategic role for where, how do you, you know, grow and develop co- co- uh, coaches uh, uh-huh. worldwide. Um, but speaking of, you know, other coaches, Leicester City, Leicester City, Lydia Bedford was sacked. Um, after zero wins but zero points and just a horrendous start to the season um, and Willie Kirk we know we all know him he was the previous Everton uh, coach he took over in as a director of women's football at City in the summer and he's now stepped in as the interim coach it's interesting because they took 
Lydia away from the national. She was in the national in, in the national setup with the, with the younger squads, and she initially Which, went. So what, what was she in? Like under seventeen. Under, I think it was under eighty. Uh, under seventeen or eighteen. England. I, England. Squad. Yeah, national team coach. <laughs> and the FA actually allowed her to go and do that role. It was a potentially just going to be like a short term thing for last season, um, and then depending on if she wanted to stay on, then they were going to give Lydia that option. Obviously, keeping them up, they only had to beat. I think it was. Um, didn't they, to, they beat Villa, didn't they? They they, they won a, only a couple of games last season yeah. under her, enough to keep them up based on the, on, on the points, um, and so she got a contract with them. But the point is, is that she then didn't strengthen the squad yeah. any more than what it was last year, and they and and they scraped through last season. Mm. And we said we said only two weeks ago that it was between them and Reading because, likewise, I think if Reading was to have lost that game to, to Leicester, could Kelly Chambers have been? given the sack probably mm, mm. because that's the importance now of staying in WSL1 um, but it's interesting they've let her go so soon I mean what they're five games five six games in mm. they never really recruited uh, to the level they needed to they they did start to look like they were playing a, a style of play they looked like they had a better identity this year than mm. they did last year that's for mm. sure I certainly thought they were more competitive in games mm. they had a tough run of games they played Arsenal yeah they did they played uh, they played Man United only weeks previous so they've had they haven't had mm. the easiest they played uh, have they played Everton I think so they haven't had an easy running of games. Yeah. I think in terms of sacking her this early and not allowing her to play the teams that are in and around Leicester that she should be beating or at least competing with before then making that decision, I thought it was a bit strange. But it goes back Seven to now. Years. It goes back to now. Like, what is the expectation of the clubs or, or, or the, the, the the people above in terms of their women's team, the, the product of it, and, and, yeah. and having wanting them to stay in the WSL1? And I think just... To- just on that, I think obviously Heskey's assisting Willie and again, that transition of men's players mm-hmm. coming across into the women's game, really, really important. But I just don't think the quality of football, um, we've seen, I, I've watched some highlights of them doing stuff in training. And for me, it's just the basic stuff. That's not a WSL product. And I'm not saying the, the players don't have the potential to do it. But I don't know if there if the demand is there, and maybe someone like Willie Kirk coming in who has that demand and has had it at other WSL clubs to be able to embed that in his team, I think will help in terms of them taking it to another level. I think the difference with Lydia, I think what the aspirations for her is she wanted to be on the grass a lot more regularly than just on an England camp. Mm-hmm. So to be able to be in, in that club of environment day in day out, being with players for her own development, that's what she wanted to do. But in terms of what the product that was being produced, we've got to be honest, that's that's not WSL standard. And I think they do have it in them, but it has to be demanded week in, week out. Whether they're losing, like I said, and and being happy with losing, but the quality that's being produced mm. as a result of losing, definitely, it's not good enough. And I mean, there is a huge difference between under 18 players and, and internet or the WSL. But One of the things that I don't like about men's football, and I would say a lot of elite sports in general, is, you know, a coach gets a run of bad games and gets sacked. But we all know, we've all been on teams, we've all been in classrooms, we've all been in work environments. It takes a while to build a culture. It takes a while to find connections between players. Sometimes it even takes a while to find the right starting team for different mm-hmm. and the right role for each of the players. And that can evolve over time and over a season. And I just don't agree with after seven games into a season, and as you said, it hasn't even played teams that they could be competitive with to be firing someone that early. And then Willie Kirk was also fired from Everton, was it two years ago, two Mm. seasons ago? Mm. I also thought that he didn't get a fair run to really 
um, build a culture and to build the team that you want because it, it takes time. You know, you come into a team and yeah. they play a certain way and there's a certain vibe and there's a culture and if you want to impose that, it, it takes time. But I think in the women's game, sometimes that has been the problem in terms of people are not willing to take risks. Mm-hmm. They're, they're comfortable in staying and keeping the same management style. So that's where they get comfortable. Actually, I'm not really going to be sacked. I don't really need to be on my A game because I have a period of time. For me personally, it, you have to turn up and, and do the business. That's what that's what you're getting paid to do. Yes, there's a period in, in terms of settling, but I think sometimes we, be, we have been a bit complacent. We've seen like, definitely back in the day, a lot of managers oh that have gosh. been in place for like 10, 10 15, 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, you look at that, not just on the pitch, but in terms of the board and from the governance point of view, yeah. how are those relationships developing? Are they comfortable what's the expectation and you see the bigger teams like we go back to it like Arsenal and Chelsea they have an expectation from the top down to the bottom they want that product to continue going mm. in the forward direction and if it's not they'll get somebody else who can so that's where I'm talking about yes they're going to show those lower games like Leicester but it's putting pressure on those clubs that like, you need to invest because this is the product mm-hmm. and we're going to show what it looks like you when you lose 4-0 exactly. to Arsenal and if you on BBC be involved yeah. in this conversation you have to from a top level invest further down and when we talk about tv rights and all the other stuff in terms of the funding it has to come down to wsl to i mean to championship to grassroots to be able to produce it to keep up with that quality of play mm. and if we don't do it you get the sack <laughs> simple as no, I, I do I, I agree look it's a results business now isn't it it's, it's full-time professional and so these clubs that are investing heavily in, in, into into their, their women's team now are going to want results and if you're not getting them, the likeliness is you're going to get the sack. But yeah. it's an interesting one, as I say. It's it's interesting. I don't know. I just think the gap's so big between... I, I get it. If it's Chelsea-Arsenal and you're not getting the results and you go on like yeah. a two-year where like Chelsea and Arsenal haven't won trophies... And you've recruited top international it. players or like Or like a Manchester City money. or a Man United because they're the teams that are investing. And if they don't finish in that Champions League spot, yeah. you start to ask the questions. A little bit, a little bit more different between the rest of the pack because I just think the gap's so big mm. um, in terms of what is the expectation of the club. Like, what does the manager have to do mm. in, in order to keep their job there? It's it's difficult because no one wants to go there. No one wants to go and play. You look at the list; they've got a lot of young players. Yeah. Maybe that that was uh, Lydia that wanted to do that, but they do. It's a uh, it's an interesting one. And look, I'm sure there'll be plenty more yeah. um, ins and outs in the in the women's game going forward. Yeah, super interesting chap topic. Uh, moving on to what's coming up this week, we've got international, the international window beginning on Friday the 11th and Saturday the 12th. So there's some top matches coming up. Um, we've got USA playing Germany. So number one playing number three. England plays Japan, number four versus number 11. And um, we've got France playing Norway, five versus 12. Obviously, in the top of these conversations must be the New Zealand Korea Republic game, right? That was your guys' choice to put this on the list, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, with the guitar. <laughs> <laughs> Leave your guitar behind. But they're playing at home in Christchurch, my home city. Uh, Australia playing Sweden, so 13 playing number two. England v Japan, what are your thoughts? Knobs and hemp are injured. Uh, no, again, it's always good for me. I always like to see how... England are progressing I guess it, it's a natural thing from looking at from a week to week domestic stuff and how does that transition into our national game obviously being European championships and with the World Cup so close um, next year it's just about tracking and seeing where there are any gaps or where we are strengthening or how we're trying different things so I guess for me it's always nice to see England and then the rotation of players a few mm. new players coming in because um, they've qualified haven't they they've qualified for the World Cup mm-hmm. 
So they can play more players. So they players. can play new things. And for me, it's always about learning um, and having Serena as our coach. Mm-hmm. Even though I don't want to go into management, I like to see she's a former teacher, how she's transferring that in, into football. So, yeah, I just love watching watching her and watching the game. Nice. Yeah. No, I, agree. I think it's good. I think I worked with, I was on a placement with the England under 23s last year with Mo Marley. Um, and it was an interesting one because that part of, the development in terms of the games and the structure around that wasn't as professional as they've now made it, having won the Euros in the summer. So that group of players now is even more important to the senior team and Serena. So Serena had a lot of input last mm. year, into, or input, I mean, communication. So she was constantly communicating with Mo Marley about are players ready? You know, are they ready for the Euros? Are they ready for the squad? And obviously those th- those conversations are happening quite regularly. I think since the Euros, and obviously we have a year build now until the world, or we did prior to winning the Euros, yep. a year build. I think for Serena, she really wanted them to see that there was that step from 23s into the seniors and that they were being looked at. And I mm. think it's been, the, the way they've done it, we've we seen Jess Park meet up with the squad right. um, in, in the last camp, didn't actually quite get any minutes, but then she went back to the 21s so she could get more regular international minutes, which I think is important that they get that. And then they brought two new players in from the, from the 23s in, Katie Robinson and Maya Letizia. Yeah. So I think it's important. I know that Jess Park has been recalled due to injuries, but I think it's important that these young players actually see that they are being looked at and there is a chance of them going to camp. And actually going into camp will make them realise where they're actually at in their development. Because sometimes when you're playing regularly in a WSL1, you play regularly in the 23s. So you start every game for the 21 stroke 23s and you think that you're a senior player and then you go to camp and realise mm. actually the gap between WSL1 big pond. even to very in, big pond even <laughs> to international under 21 yeah. to then even go up to the senior it's a big gap yeah. and and it, you know there's 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 a route to that if, unless you're you know unique like someone like uh, Lauren James who can make that jump yeah. but you know the rest of them have to go on that development path and I like the way it's being used yeah, at the minute. Definitely. It's so important because these players don't come out of nowhere, do they? They don't just come into the WSL. There's I did. A whole <laughs> <laughs> but even someone like Gabby George has also been called in. I know she's been in around the, yeah. the squad as well previously. An interesting one, that though. And now she's, I know the strikers have gone out, but they brought in some defenders. Mm. But again, just from a, an insight point of view, I know that the amount of detail that gets sent from the 23s oh, up yeah. to the seniors, mm. like mm-hmm. you would not believe there's at least two, three players in each position that like coming from the structures. So good. Trust me, try, try working in it. Try going. And like, and like Mo Marley is so detailed, so very good coach, like in mm-hmm. terms of management, in terms of like those details you're talking about. When I was there, I'd be working from when I woke up in the morning, half past <laughs> seven in the morning till gone midnight. And I'm like, Mo, do I get a day? Like genuinely the work and graph yeah. she puts in into developing. And it's no surprise that Mo Marley has developed the amount of players she has yeah. because she's so diligent in everything that she, she's so good is she a Virgo? she's Aquarius <laughs> she's, she's, a one Gemini. Of, she's one of me she's an Aquarius <laughs> oh, there you go but yeah she's so good so yeah, in terms of like sending that over like yeah. she would constantly I mean as I said I was in camp you'd get Serena calling and and, and wanting to know day to day mm. how the 20, 21s but that's doing. interesting isn't it because you know she really does make Serena Vigman look good all these great players that mm. are coming through but the hard graft and the work does start from the youth national teams and that and that grass uh, grassroots. I really like Maya Letizia uh, coming in from Guernsey, from the Channel Islands. Mm. That's a fun story, isn't it? Yeah. 25 years later after Matt Letizia, even though they're not related, but I thought that was quite cool. Mm. She had, used to have to fly to England because of the lack of opportunities on the island. So that's quite fun. All right. So that wraps up our halftime team talk on to second half. 
But mo- moving on, because we uh, this this has been huge news that the U- that the UEFA that UEFA has announced a nations league. And this is really interesting because when I was at FIFA, we were looking at doing some kind of international nations league as well on a global uh, scale. So I did like the first workings or drawings up of a nation's league a global one and let me tell you it is very very complicated so just just to go through what is this if you guys haven't heard it's um, going to be starting in autumn of next year uh, it's going to be played um, from then until the spring and it really is a a nation's league so it it's um, national teams competing against each other in three different tiers. You have 16 teams in League A, 16 teams in League B, and then 19 in League C, and that's all according to your national ranking. They then play in mini tournaments, and then depending on where they end up, they can get promoted or get relegated, and it will also serve as a tournament for the qualifiers for the Women's Euros and for the Women's World Cup, which is huge because that qualification process used to take two years for, for UEFA. Um, so I don't know what you guys think about it. I have tons of thoughts, but I'll let you guys go first. What was your thoughts when, when it first got announced? I, I, just, I just thought more games in the calendar. <laughs> but are they taking out friendlies with that? Because yeah. they do with the men, right? So the men have take, cut the friendlies to try and make it more competitive, right? Yeah. So the, so so. the interesting thing about it is that um, the international match calendar, which FIFA um, runs and develops is the calendar that allows for national team matches to be played, which means that legally uh, the clubs have to release the players to play international mm-hmm. matches. So back when I was playing, like when I first started at Wolfsburg, New Zealand would just have matches outside of these windows mm-hmm. that we're having. And so me as a player, the club didn't have to release me mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. there was no legal need for them to do so. So I was in the middle of, mm-hmm. do I go play against Japan with New Zealand or do I play against Bayern Munich when we're trying to qualify for for Champions League. So mm-hmm. it's a terrible situation to be in. So that's why the calendar is so important. So what's happened is FIFA hasn't actually published a calendar after 2023, which is crazy if you mm-hmm. think about it, because mm-hmm. that means that you can't plan as a yeah, national yeah. team or a confederation post that. So what UEFA has done is they've said, we're just going to do our own thing and we're going to plan our own calendar. And then FIFA will now obviously have to work around this this calendar. So, so what political, I think, right? It's Amazing, money speaks right politically, and I mean, I'm not in. I don't understand all of that, but it just sounds so like yeah, politically like competitive (laughs) between UEFA, FIFA. um, Yeah, it's great. So long as the right things done, look, we want our. I think the national team certainly in terms of the games being competitive. I know that you play um, teams that are more. On, on your level. So for England, they won't have to play That's against it. nations that they're going to tonk 20 nil, which we don't want to see because we want to see our, you know, our national team grow and develop and, and get better competing against the best. So in terms of that and the structure of that, I really like that. Mm. I like the fact that, you know, they're not going to be boring friendlies that nobody's interested in yeah. and the games, you know, more likely will be competitive. Mm. I'm, I'm excited by that. Yep. Is there going to be so many games that we're going to get a new record cap holder for England? Farrah, <laughs> <laughs> are you under pressure? Is, is your record under pressure? Because it seems like there's a lot of games coming up. And I think like previously there was like the Seven games years. were were like yeah. sporadic. Now, uh, within a year, we're having like 10, 15 games, right? Mm-hmm. So surely you must be are you sweating over there. Or- <laughs> can you see? Can you what, see? Are you at? what are you at? 174? 72. 72. What's the next one coming up? Lucy, I don't know. Lucy, Hunters. What are they at? Hundred. Why are you rolling? Hundred. <laughs> yeah, just, o- just over a hundred. Anyway, not as good as Far yeah. Williams. You're sitting right next yeah. to us. No, here I, I hope it's good. Bombs. But then, uh, like my, 
I, I, I tried to read up on it like, and understand mm. it. And as you said, there, I don't really understand how they then qualify for the Euros because FIFA are then saying around the World Cup qualifiers of 2025, they're jumping on the back of that, right? right. So I don't so, really understand how that qualification then... So so basically in the... You're bringing your FIFA hat, I right? Have to, yeah, this Thanks. is the, the FIFA hat. But the, and it's, it's not easy. It's very complex, to be honest. It took me like a couple hours to go through the entire competition format and understand it. But in the League A, so you've got like ranking 1 through 16 playing each other. So like yep. you said, it'll be more competitive. competitive. The top four that win that, so you go, you have four teams in each group. The one that wins each group, there'll be four winners. They then go automatically into a qualified. So they'll be automatically qualified for the women's euros for example uh -huh. and then the four lowest ones will be relegated to league b and then the second and third place in each of those groups will have to play a relegation promotion with league b and league c so you could potentially have what's that one through 16 then 16 through 32, 32, 32 and then 32 yeah i thought that on so you could have from so, they, so, so the lower teams still have an opportunity to it. qualify but yeah, that's it. They're, gonna they play have, they against, still... they're not going to play tough opposition the whole way through Correct. qualification. Correct. They'll get an opportunity to have a one-off game against a top team to qualify. That's it. Does that sound and right? And so you'll have, le you'll have fewer matches where Germany is going and playing Uzbekistan, Uzbekistan, uh, it, but potentially Uzbekistan, who's in League C, could potentially get into that promotion relegation tournament. And, mm. but the so top it's basically the FA Cup. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> that's how we quite. understand yeah, it. Yeah, how we understand yeah. it yeah. So those of you that know the FA Cup, it sounds pretty similar yeah. to that. Non-league non -league get the chance to play against top opposition. Yeah. The top opposition don't play the earlier rounds. Yeah. They just get through. That, and then it's FA Cup. But what's really interesting about this too is like it, it will change the league, the world rankings for... Yeah. The, because the UEFA has their own rankings for the European teams and FIFA has their world rankings. But what this means is that when you play, you'll be competing then to, for the ranking for next season. So you could go from, literally, you could go from, I don't know, 16 to 8th yeah. that quickly in the UEFA rankings. And that for me, especially where the women's game is right now, when you look at the world rankings, that give you're like, that's not accurate. Those that's what I was going to say. Accurate. Does that not give false, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> No, in terms of that team, like so what I'm saying is a realistic, a realistic what I'm saying, of where representation of where they're at. So what I'm saying, if you go all of a sudden, Wales, for example, who are placed 24th, all of a sudden now they're 11th ranking based on this Nations League. But it won't be like, world that ranking. It'll be the UEFA, it'll be like the Nations League ranking. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay, I'm But it is, it, no, yeah. you're right. It is the same, like, because it will be the rankings for UEFA. So they'll be able to jump Be in that. Because what I'm saying, yeah. you then go, say, for example, you go from a 24th to an 11th, right? Mm. You play an 11th ranked to a second ranked, right? You'd go, oh, that's quite a competitive game. The second mm. rank absolutely whips him. Yeah. And people are going, well, you're meant to be ranked 11th in, mm. the, in the rankings. It doesn't even... That sounds like the WSL. <laughs> <laughs> But I think because there's enough pre-match or pre-match game or pre-qualifying games to get them to that position, so they still have to win a certain number of games to be able to even be in the position okay. to be able to play. So they they will have, you know, it, and that's where they said it's about based on meritocracy. So based on merit, based on how well you do, that's where your ranking goes, and it's change. It can change every year, so it can be a fluctuation. Of, for example, if Malta all of a sudden decides to invest millions of pounds or whatever their currency is euros i don't know yeah. into the women's team they could then jump up the rankings but that's where they probably deserve to be right at that moment in time. yeah but does that not then like give like so because what i'm saying say for example yeah. teams like malta they'd be playing
playing teams around them like yes. Macedonia or somebody like yeah. so they'd be playing that that cluster of like European teams yes or teams in Europe and then say for example the likes of like England and Germany and Sweden and Norway right that's that's really competitive they could fall down the rankings based on their group compared to Malta for example Macedonia who could jump up the rankings based on playing teams that are in and, in and around them no they no? still have to play so it'll be the, the League A goes the top four go up and then from League B the top four from League B go up into League A so they're automatically in that group and then the bottom four will go down but then they still have to play promotion relegation okay. so they still have to play more games to okay. be able to find that final ranking so it'll be it's quite a long period there's six games in that first it's home and away and then they play into the relegation and then they'll have a final as well so Nation League away six games in a year then they have a tournament with like potentially eight yeah, games in a year like and then that. they have no qualifiers in between that so the this will serve as the qualifier so the first one is the nation's league and then next year will be the qualifiers for the World women's Euro, sorry euros Euro Euro first yeah. isn't it yeah, yeah and then we, we switched here and then the um women's world cup and it will also be the qualifiers for the olympics i was about to say where yeah. does paris fit into this <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so it, it does it, it wait there. so is the, it is the euros 23 olympics 24, 24 world cup 25, 25 so we've correct. got we've had a tournament every year we need, we need a camper van. <laughs> yeah. We need a camper van. <laughs> we, we are on tour. This is great. This is what the pandemic's done, isn't yeah, it? Know, like right? everything's just like back to back year after year tournament. Yeah. Lovely, love it. Plus, I can see boots, balls, and bras talent agencies starting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We need to get some players under our belts. Now. And on Maybe that, possible. we do have a, a team of the week that comes out. So catch up, catch us on uh, social media and on our audio for that as well. All right. My goodness, another five hours of chatting, but that was a good one. Um, thank you guys very much for listening this week, and we look forward to chatting with you next week. Again, as always, send in all your questions, the topics you want us to talk about, what you think about Mary Earps. Is she Drake? Is she not Drake anymore? Eartha really wants to know. Right. <laughs> Does anybody talk about football better than Farrell Williams? I doubt it, but you let us know. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Thanks a lot. Adios. Bye. Ciao. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 